0: Hello, welcome back to Out Loud, the Selective Mutism podcast, the only podcast dedicated to Selective Mutism. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Ann, Chelsea's mom. To learn more about Selective Mutism and our backgrounds, listen to our first episode. In our last episode, we talked about exposure for Selective Mutism, and today we're going to talk about PCIT. Which is? Um, parent-child interaction therapy. So, before we get into this episode, I'd like to take one minute to ask you to leave a five-star review. This is the best way. You can leave us feedback and let more podcast listeners hear about selective mutism.
1: Okay, and then also, before we get started, I just wanted to uh, put out there that um, Chelsea and I, in doing the podcast, are in no way a substitute for going to therapy, Um, just that we are presenting our experiences and opinions, which are in no way meant to be a replacement for seeing a professional for treatment for selective mutism.
0: So we're at episode 10 now. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. We have a lot of exciting things coming. I Mm -hmm. feel like we have some interviews lined up for you guys. And we're going to be on another, actually two other podcasts, hopefully coming out soon. Yeah, that's pretty amazing to me. Yeah, we'll keep you posted. Yeah, we're doing great spreading the word. Yeah, so we talked about SCAT before as a therapy, and now we're going to be talking about um, Stephen Kurtz's um, PCIT therapy, which is parent-child interaction therapy, which he tailored to selective mutism. Right, so I just wanted to start off because I didn't really know
1: what PCIT was, so I actually just googled it. (laughs) Um, And I did find a good website that I thought i put out there if other parents wanted just to read a basic description on PCIT. So it was www.pcit.org. And it does have a link on there to find a provider of PCIT, which, yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. So basically, it just said PCIT is an evidence-based treatment for young children with behavior problems. So this is the basic PCIT, and then Dr. Stephen Kurtz took that and sort of... Uh, adapted it to treatment for selective mutism Um, but PCIT is basically done through a coaching session um, where you and your child are sort of in a playroom uh, while the therapist or whoever's in an observation room watching you interact with your child usually sometimes I guess they have a one-way mirror um, and I did read that sometimes look at the parent like a um, hearing device in their ear so that they can actually communicate with you while you're interacting with your child So what I took from it is that PCIT is usually done for some type of um, disruptive behavior versus a speech approach. So Mm -hmm. that's how he adapted it for the selective mutism. But initially, PCIT was done to, um, I guess, have better outcomes in parenting a child with some behavior Mm -hmm. issues.
0: Yeah, I also read that he changed it so that the focus isn't on um, improving compliance to demands. Instead, it's um, on speech, obviously. Mm-hmm.
1: And I did think it was um, it was interesting. I guess it's the same as what we're going to talk about today because basically PCIT is done in two stages. And Dr. Stephen Kurtz sort of follows that format in the Selective Mutism Treatment Plan. So there's an initial stage of treatment, and then once they sort of meet all that criteria, the child goes on to the second stage, which sort of has higher expectations and demands for success. Okay, so that's basic PCIT. And I guess we're talking today, Chelsea had a chapter in a book that was written by Dr. Stephen Kurtz.
0: Yep, I got this off Stephen Kurtz's website. So it's basically just called PCIT-SM. So it's just the SM version of what you just said. Okay. So... I don't know, before we get dig into it, I was just going to say that Dr. Kurtz is like the certified PCIT international um, master trainer, they call him. I thought that was a fun name, <laughs> but he provides training um, to all different professionals so that they can use PCIT with clients who have selective mutism. I thought that's really cool. And I've actually looked into taking these courses. They have them in Boston, so I could actually... Get into that. Okay, so PCIT-SM was developed specifically to treat selective mutism because of its young age of onset. Um, Other therapies like CBT, like cognitive behavior therapy, approaches that would normally use to treat anxiety um, are not as effective for, like, little children, especially when they won't talk to their therapist in the beginning. Um, So PCIT uses, like, behavioral principles, which I love, and... (laughs) They basically coach parents to use these um, interactions with their kids, and it basically interrupts the negative reinforcement cycle that is maintaining selective mutism, so it's interrupting the parents rescuing the child from their anxiety.
1: Mm -hmm. And I know I probably say this in every episode, but, you know, I was, I am or was one of those parents, um, and without realizing it, I guess I was rescuing you, and I... I don't know. In some ways, I kind of feel like, the, as a parent, if I was going through it now, I'd feel a little demonized or
0: whatever. Yeah. But in looking back... It's not back, your fault. It's no one's fault. Right. And looking back, I
1: do realize that I did do that, but I don't think I realized it at the time.
0: But that's a normal response to your kid being, like, in distress. It's not, like... Mm-hmm. You have to be taught to interact differently. Right. So it's which, not your fault. Which basically is what I took away
1: from reading this today, that it actually gives you... I mean stick with us because um, it actually gives you specific phrases to mm-hmm. use word for word you could use them with your child to kind of teach you a better way to communicate yes instead of rescuing them
0: yeah and you're helping them in the long run mm-hmm. and you're not putting them in situations that are too um, challenging for where they're at it's very step at a, step by step I don't know what I'm saying um, so in the beginning, they use interviews and parent report to guide the treatment. So they're individ- individualizing treatment, and they basically um, also evaluate speech and look at your developmental history. And they get teacher input, and this is all to, just to get like a full picture of the child's level of functioning and the the extent of their selective mutism.
1: And I'll say, as a parent, I was actually shocked in reading this that these forms and these assessment tools even exist
0: yeah I have a list of them We can because go through because I think when you were diagnosed they didn't exist
1: right I a think lot of they them didn't. did not yeah it was just going to see a psychologist and they kind of oh this sounds like SM
0: right now they have like specific tools to measure like which situations and with who and where and when
1: and I actually thought what do you think about sometime maybe doing an episode on just all these tools the assessment tools we could yeah I there's a lot that was kind of neat mm-hmm. i don't know if that's the nurse in me or but i just thought oh wow it'd no, be really like cool to too. look at these i think we should say too um if you're not if you're just sort of joining us now on the out loud podcast and you haven't listened to our other episodes this also might be a good time to go back and just listen to them or even re-listen to them um because i found in reading this chapter um you know, a lot is assumed that you actually mm-hmm. know what SM is, that you already know the criteria for qualifying for a diagnosis of selective mutism. Um, anyway, I think it would be helpful to go back and re-listen to those if you're new and joining us. Yeah,
0: we definitely just have been jumping into research and like deeper topics. So make sure you know all the basics first, I guess. So... These are the interviews and assessment tools they use in PCIT-SM. They use the Anxiety Disorders Interview Schedule, Selective Mutism Questionnaire, which we talked about before, and we posted that on our Facebook page, so you can look at that, and the School Speech Questionnaire, which is given to the teacher to see how much they're talking at school or if at all. And then there's also the SM Behavioral Observation Task, or the SM BOT, which was developed by Steven Kurtz. So it's a parent and child playing alone in a clinic room while being observed through a one-way mirror, so therapists can observe the interaction between the parent and the child. And then next, they have a stranger enter the room and engage with the parent and child using PCIT do tasks, which we'll get into later. Um, and then they end it with one forced choice question to see if the child will answer the question, which I'm guessing usually they don't. So can then, I just,
1: sorry, can I interrupt you for a minute? I just want to say that the because I'm like, okay, a forced choice question. So what's that? Give me an example. Oh, yeah. So um, in PCIT, there are three types of questions. The first one is a yes or no question, which obviously the child either says yes or no. But that also gives them an opportunity to be nonverbal and mm-hmm. just shake their head yes or no. The second type of question would be a forced choice question, um, which is typically used just during the second stage of therapy. And an example of that might be, um, do you want a cookie or do you want a piece of pie? That would be a forced choice. You're choosing them to pick one or the other. Mm -hmm. And then the third type of question is an open-ended question, which is also used during the second stage of therapy. Um, And an example of that might be, instead of, I guess an example of that could be, what type of pie is your favorite? So that sort of prompts the child to come up with their own answer to that question. And um, okay, continue on. Sorry. Yeah,
0: so this is just the SM behavioral observation task. So they're not, they're only doing forced choice question, because they're taking baseline data. Then, the final step of that is just repeating the first two steps. So it, after the question. Um, the therapist leaves the room and the child plays alone with the parent again and they're observing through a two-way window or mirror and then they come back and do it again. So they're kind of just uh, repeating it. So basically the SM bot or selective mutism behavior observation task is just collecting baseline data. So they're trying to see where the child is starting at. So they're looking for their natural speech pattern with the parent. They're looking for the parent's role in maintaining the selective mutism and then they're also looking at the willingness of the child to speak in front of unfamiliar people so they're basically coding so they're taking data on the parent and the child's behavior which I thought was cool like they're tracking the parent's behavior too and they're doing this during the baseline segment and throughout the whole treatment process to monitor the progress And it focuses on the child's verbal response to prompts rather than their compliance to demands, Mm -hmm. like in the original PCIT. So just some examples, like the codes are just like, yes, no question, and that's a yes or no question. And the example would be, do you want the blue block? So the answer would be yes or no. And then there's forced choice questions, which an example would be, do you want the blue block or the red block? But basically they're coding whether the child is what kind of question is being asked and then the child's answer whether it's verbal or nonverbal or no answer at all mm-hmm. so basically that's just baseline data they're just collecting data on what how the child is speaking and um, how the parent and how the ch- parent is interacting right mm-hmm So after baseline, they move on to the first phase of PCITSM, which is called Child-Directed Interaction, or CDI. So in order for parents to move on, they have to master the PRIDE skills, which is all uppercase. It's an acronym, P-R-I-D-E. So P stands for praise. It stands for labeled praise. R is for reflecting. I is for imitating. And D is for describing behavior. And then E is for enthusiasm.
1: So some examples of those might be statements such as you're drawing the ocean blue or great job coloring your picture. If the child says my favorite color is green then the parent could say your favorite color is green.
0: That would be a reflection. Mm -hmm.
1: An unlabeled praise would be great job A labeled praise would be great job using your words.
0: Right, so you don't want to be using unlabeled, you want to be using labeled. Got it. In order to move on from phase one, they want you to use ten labeled praises in a session. They also want you to use ten behavior descriptions. And you're discouraged from asking questions, giving commands, or criticisms, so they're saying you need to do less than three of those. And that's all in stage one, right? Okay. Right. So in stage one, you're not asking questions; you're just building rapport with your child. And then they need, in order to move on, they're saying you need to get eighty percent following, oh, follow through with this sequence. So um, parents need to be using labeled praise or or a behavior reflection after each time the child speaks, which is positive reinforcement.
1: So it's so important, I think, as a parent to make sure that this is carried over into, you know, other situations like school, um, relatives. So this is where they were recommending maybe making cards up Mm -hmm. with these standard responses or descriptions, reflections, and giving them to other people that the child has contact with just for consistency. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Once parents have mastered the pride skills, and they've demonstrated that they can do the 10 labeled praises, 10 behavior descriptions, and stay under the three questions, commands, or criticisms, they can move on to phase two. So they continue with the first phase, which is child-directed interaction, until the children are ready to be prompted to speak, and after the parents have mastered the pride skills. So at this point, they're moving on to verbal-directed interaction. And phase
1: two uses a lot of exposure techniques, which Mm -hmm. we talked about last episode, episode nine. Yep. So if you're unfamiliar with exposure, you might want to go back and re-listen to um, episode
0: nine. Yes. Um, So therapists and other staff are coming in to ask questions now. So they're probing to see if a child will respond at all. And it's also focusing on generalization of speech to new environments and new people, using exposure tasks. So this is increasing their opportunities to speak, and also their opportunities to gain reinforcement for speaking. And they're using two types of questions in this phase, which are the forced choice and open-ended questions. And you're waiting five seconds for a response. And to avoid, you're supposed to avoid yes or no questions because it can lead to avoidance of speech, such as nodding your head or shaking your head no. And they, then they have the verbal direct, verbal directed interaction sequence, which is how you prompt the child to speak. So they begin by asking either a forced choice or open-ended question. Mm-hmm. So say you ask, "Do you like dogs or cats?" and then you wait five seconds for a response. If the child does respond verbally, the adult gives labeled praise for the response or a reflection of their speech. So if the child says, dog, you say, yeah, dogs are awesome. And then if they do not respond verbally or no response at all, like no head head nod or anything, they acknowledge the nonverbal vaca- um, communication. So if they're Shaking their head, you could say, I see you're shaking your head. Or if there's no response, the adult is repeating the question again or rephrasing the question and then waiting five seconds again. If there's still no response, the adult tells the child they'll practice talking more later and they shift back to child-directed interaction or they go back to the last environment or activity where the child was successful speaking. Additionally,
1: um, parents are instructed to prompt children to speak using a direct command such as tell me what candy you want instead of saying will you tell me what Mm -hmm. candy you want because then they have a choice to say yeah
0: shake their head no. (laughs) So then like in addition to this they're generalizing speaking outside of therapy so you're supposed to be doing homework like exposures and um, fade new individuals in and out of the setting, and they say to only change one variable one variable at a time. So, so you're only changing the setting, the individual, or the activity per session. So they have, for example, if a therapist, and this is a direct quote, if a therapist and a child with SM have been practicing playing go fish in the therapy room, options for future sessions include Moving to another location, such as the waiting room, while maintaining the same people and activity, or adding another person while keeping the location and activity the same, or playing a different game with the therapist in the therapy room. Mm
1: -hmm. And they talk about if you change too many of the variables at Mm -hmm. once, um, it can really increase the child's anxiety and sort of set them
0: back. So they have a few suggestions for exposures and how to keep the child successful. So they're saying use they're using situations where the child was previously successful to move forward. And you can also use rehearsed scripts, which can be used initially to increase success in new situations. And then they encourage reinforcement so a child can choose a prize to earn before the exposure so that they know what they're working for. And you can also use tokens or brave points, which we can be exchanged for prizes, which we went into far more detail in the last episode. Yeah, they, it does
1: actually mention, I thought this was a little, I don't know if I would like this, but it ex- said to have the child choose several prizes at the beginning of the <clears> session. <throat> but for me, I don't know, I thought that was, what if they don't meet the criteria? That's Then do you not give them the prize?
0: Yeah, you don't. You have to go back and practice until you can earn it. Yeah, see, that makes me uncomfortable as a
1: mom. Like, I always want to be positive and end on a positive note. Well,
0: that's why you can alter exposures to make it right. still okay. successful. Like, you're trying to keep them successful and you're only putting them in situations that they're ready for. But then, say, like, you get up there and all of a sudden your kid just freezes, you can go back and practice the script again or you can alter what is being asked of them so Mm -hmm. that they are more likely to be successful okay so i feel like we didn't really talk about this that much but like the whole like cool part about pcit is how they have what they call like the bug in the ear which is like a little earpiece and that's what they're using like in the initial um child directed interaction where they're actually speaking to the parent through the earpiece and coaching them on how to respond to their child. So I feel like that's really unique about this type of therapy. Yes, it does say the differences
1: between PCIT and PCIT-SM are, um, first of all, that um, you use, in PCIT-SM, you definitely want to use a token system or prizes, um, but that's a definite aspect of PCIT with selective mutism children. And then the second point that's different about regular PCIT is using games. Mm -hmm. Um, Even as a reward, you could have the game um, meant to encourage speech. And the third aspect that's different with uh,
0: PCIT-SM is including other individuals in the therapy. I have a list of the games that they recommend that are good at eliciting verbalizations. So they, in case you want to look into getting these games, They list go fish, zingo, which I've never heard of, hangman, headbands, guess who, surveys of favorites, spot it, and telltale.
1: So I did think this was interesting because we talked about the um, Dr. Shippenbloom's criteria for SCAT and how quickly um, kids have a positive response to therapy. And then with PCIT at the end of this chapter, he has a similar chart. So he has, it takes uh, basically about 12 sessions for the child to no longer be nervous um, and that they should be talking across all different types of environments. So he talks about medication uh, for kids who maybe exhibit more severe impairment or, or kids that have different comorbid uh, disorders besides the selective mutism. And then he gives sort of standard expectations with PCITSM. And then if they're not meeting those uh, criteria, then then you may want to introduce medication. So he says, after session, between session four and six, children are typically able to talk to the therapist without the parents in the room. So I thought that was pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. By fourth session, between four and six sessions, because for some parents, that just seems incomprehensible. And then by eight to 12 sessions, um, he says the child should be able to be verbal across different environments. Which I think for even me as a parent looking back, I can't imagine 12 sessions and you're already talking at school. That's very quick. Which really made, I don't know, it really um, struck me that PCIT SM is giving you as a parent the tools of what you need to do, how you need to communicate Mm -hmm. with your child to positively reinforce them to speak, and how quickly. If done properly, um, and maybe having to incorporate medication, that your child could be speaking in twelve sessions, mm-hmm. not only at home but also at school, and it just struck me, you know, because some people just go years and years of being yeah. nonverbal,
0: and it could only take this small chunk of your life, <laughs> right, to, to turn it around. You. Yeah, and it's this is crazy because um, when I, we talked about this in a Past episode, but when we went to Brave Buddies in New York City, the community, or what is it called, Selected Mutism Camp, mm-hmm. um, I guess we basically missed the first phase of PCIT, which is when they're doing the bug in the ear and the, the one-way mirror, and you're watching the parent interact, so by the time I was volunteering at the camp, the kids were already working with therapists, so we were do- working on exposures. So I didn't get to see the first phase, but I think it would be really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Maybe that will be a goal for you in the future. Yeah, and it's also, <laughs> like, I have seen this working because we have been at Brave Buddies camp and you see kids talking by the end of a week that weren't talking when they came in. So this chapter
1: was published in 2018. He writes... um, The assessment measures associated with PCIT-SM have not been fully evaluated and require more research attention. I did find, just in Googling PCIT, um, there was a study done in Canada, actually in Vancouver in September of 2019, um, specifically on PCIT with selective mutism children. In this study, the conclusion basically was that Yes, PCIT is an effective treatment for selective mutism children. And that was uh, published in the Journal of Anxiety Disorders. So since he wrote that chapter, there has continued to be some research uh, published on PCIT with SM children. And this study did have, it was 30 children, so not a huge study, um, but it was children aged 4 to 10 years old. And none of the children had comorbid uh, conditions, such as autism or, you know, other psych uh, diagnoses. So the conclusion was that there were significant improvements in speaking behavior um, that were observed between the pre- and the post-treatment. The improvements were maintained at 3 months and 12 months follow-up. And the improvements were observed in all parent-reported domains, including school, community, home, and family. And then they also interviewed teachers um, where the teachers reported the child anxiety had significantly improved post-treatment. So there is some data confirming that PCIT does work in selective mutism children, as I think we know anyway from Dr. Kurtz's
0: success. Okay, so I'm going to post the resources for this episode in the show notes and on Facebook. And we'll give you some additional resources for... P.C.I.T.
1: Yeah.
0: So on Instagram, we're Out Loud SM podcast, and we asked people to send us their um, 2020 goals. So I have a few that I wanted to read. Um, one person said their goal is to talk to their teachers. Talk to my symphony conductor. Uh, someone wants to find a new job. Someone said they want to focus more on themselves and their own happiness. We have another one that wants to talk to a teacher. Someone said, finally take care of myself completely, not just in bits and pieces. And someone said, I want to challenge myself, oh, challenge my social anxiety, take care of myself, and be a better role model for my kids. Another person said they want to help my five-year-old daughter overcome SM by doing more brave work. I also asked, tell me one thing you're proud of doing in the past year. I
1: loved these.
0: Yeah. So someone said, talking to new friends. Someone said, saying hi to my cross-country coach. Um, someone said, Commuting for my- communicating for my dad when he couldn't. Someone said, leaving toxic relationships behind. Someone said, ordering my own pizza. That was one of my favorite ones. Someone said, going back to therapy.
1: Awesome.
0: Someone said, managing my anxiety. Someone gave their first ever speech in eighth grade. Woohoo! I know. And these are all big deals. They're Even huge. Just, just saying hi to your coach is a huge deal. That's amazing. I was just so
1: happy. Every I read, I just got a big smile, and I was just yeah. so,
0: like, happy for them. Yeah. Thank you all for interacting on Instagram. It's really fun. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Out Loud, the Selective Mutism Podcast.
1: So going forward in 2020, we plan on releasing episodes every two weeks and we hope you can join us on Out Loud, the SM podcast.